Hey, what's up everyone? It's your boy Tyler. Today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a professional artist. And my guest today is John Malin. Now, I know he's really controversial and I know that there's a lot of like drama going on in the comic book industry. I just want to let you know, we did not talk about politics. We didn't talk about comics gate. We didn't talk about any of anything that could be, you know, polarizing. You know, what I wanted what I wanted to have him on the show for was to talk about, you know, his new book and what it's like to be an artist, how he rose from the indie scene to the professional scene. I think this conversation has a lot of good value. You know, it shows you how to grow as an as a writer and an artist. It shows the future of different ways to promote yourself and, you know, to even get into the mainstream if you want. So please you know, watch this video, learn a lot, and you know, don't think, oh, Tyler is supporting comics gay, you know. I'm just someone who likes comic books and I want to learn from people who are in the industry. Because here's the thing, no matter what, I like comic books, I like hearing how people did it, you know, I'll have anyone on my show. I've had, I've never turned down anyone for my show and I want to hear um, every, every side of, every side of the story. And I think that's important for everyone to, um, to do personally. Um, that's just me from a journalism background. Um, that's where I got my degree. So yeah, please watch this show. John Malin, I mean, he was super awesome to come on the show. Um, in general, check out his book, check out his artwork, and, you know, just learn something from him. Even if you don't agree on his political opinions, even if you don't agree with what they're doing in Comicsgate, set all that aside and learn how you can get into the mainstream comic book world or survive as an indie. You know, that's all that matters. So yeah, please watch and uh, here we go. You're listening to Draw and Talk, a show about indie comics and making comics with your host, Tyler Carpenter. Hey, what's up everyone? It's another episode of Draw and Talk. It's your boy, Tyler. And today I have a super special guest on. His name is John Mallon. It's Mallon, right? Malin, but that's fine. Yeah. Gosh. That's 50-50. John Malin on, and he is a, he's a professional comic book artist. Um, right now, he is doing a, a go, an Indiegogo on um, a comic called Graveyard Shift. The artwork's super cool. Chum, you should go check it out. I'll have the link down below. And, John, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Tyler. appreciate it. Um, so real quick, you know, um, I want to give you an opportunity just to, you know, pitch, pitch to the listeners, pitch to the viewers, you know, why they, sh uh, tell us what Graveyard Shift is about and, uh, why they should back it. Cause the artwork looks stunning by the way. Oh, well, thank you. The, uh, <clears throat> so the backstory in Graveyard Shift is that it started in 2010 with me and, uh, my co-creator Mark Poulton. And, um, we, we had a couple false starts with it over the years and we, we had originally made a, a preview book that we, we released to Phil, Wizard World Philadelphia uh, back around 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. And um, it, it seemed every time I started going on graveyard, graveyard Shift that I would end up getting hired. So I ended up getting hired <laughs> by Rob Life of the new Youngblood. And I did that I, for about a year and a half, two years. And um, I got back into doing graveyard shift and then i got hired by marvel so and then i did that for about two years and as soon as i was done doing that then i, I started going into this and then i was approached for another project uh called jawbreakers which mm -hmm. you know became the highest or most backed 
uh, graphic novel, to my knowledge, on both the Kickstarter and Indiegogo platform. So it, it did extremely well. And now I'm doing this again. So It's like the perfect time now to go to gra do Graveyard Shift. Yeah, yeah, because the work's already done. I mean, we had it colored and everything. So um, I'm, I'm just doing a quick uh, Indiegogo to see what we can get for, you know, to cover the printing. And um, I'm doing like a 16-page ash can that I'm hiring a, another artist uh, to do. Uh, her name is Nerd Wonder, and she does really great um, anime, almost kind of like the uh, chibi type work. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it's very cutesy, and it, it's completely opposite from the work that you'll see in um, Graveyard Chef. So I thought it would be a good contrast. It, it, it'll just be a lighthearted story, like a Teen Titans Go type version mm -hmm. of these characters. So, um, but yeah, so we we did a or we started a crowdfund. It's only been going for about seventy two hours, but we've already raised. Uh, I think we're around twenty two thousand right now, which is really good. So I, I I'm a big supporter of uh, people, comic book artists and um, writers, even of having a, a good platform underneath them in terms of um, being able to talk to your fans. So like you're doing with, uh, you know, I, I presume this probably ends up so on a social media somewhere. Oh, yeah. um, for me, preferably YouTube, and uh, you know, you build your audience up over you know a period of time. And once you get to, you know, I, I believe the perfect number for comics is about fifty to sixty thousand subscribers. And not everyone gets there is going to get there fast. You know, it may take a five, it may be a five year journey. But you know, people are pa if you're passionate about something, I, I do believe that you'll be able to get a uh, a, a five percent of your audience to back something at a higher dollar tier. So that's what we did with Jawbreakers. The writer had sixty thousand subscribers for his uh, channel, and then. We, we actually pulled in about 7% of his audience. And uh, we were, for a moment, the highest uh, money raised as well for graphic novels. And we were only surpassed by a uh, DC artist named Ethan Van Skyver, who is a uh, friend of ours. And he did just over half a million dollars. Yeah, I saw that. He probably, I mean, he, uh, I mean, he had that nice, that like huge history with DC. So I'm sure he mm -hmm. got a ton of that following with him. I've got a couple Ethan, um, Ethan's books on my bookshelf. Yeah, he's a fantastic artist, and, and and he'll make you hate yourself as an artist because if anyone ever watches him draw, and he has videos where he, he does drawings, he he does like a very loose, like very loose sketch. Uh, it, it's pretty much a gesture with a couple of circles and um, he goes straight to ink from that and it turns out finished to work. Are you, oh, he really goes just straight from ink? Yeah. From, from, that, yeah. Well, that's infuriating because the amount of detail that he puts in, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that for anybody else, that's such a major risk to do that. It, it, it isn't even worth it. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't even consider doing what he does. And I draw digital, so I, I can clean up anything that I screw up. But when you're drawing on paper in ink, I mean, you know, I, there, there's a computer in his brain that's doing all this. I, I definitely don't have that. Most people don't have that. So, no, it's, it's so true. So, tell us what's, what's Graveyard Shift about? I'm looking at the artwork. Um, looks like a ton of action. And then you described it. Um, I mean, you said this is what that's what got you your work at Marvel is best described as Universal Monsters meets the mm -hmm. X Men. So, what's, what's the book about? Yeah. So, it's about a group of scientists that are working with a, uh, a corporation called the Atlantis Corporation. And the Atlantis Corporation is, is ran by 
two type figures. So you have a Elon Musk type figure who wants to heal the world and and take the world out into outer space. And uh, so th there's the Atlantis Corporation is actually a, an underwater um, facility, and they're building like a massive, massive um, spaceship underwater because of the sheer weight of it. But the intent of our Elon Musk type character is that he wants to be able to send, you know, 10,000 scientists and crew uh, out into the stars. So this, this ship will be able to, ca is capable of going like anywhere in the galaxy. It, it's the first of its kind. And um, there, he has a business partner who's, you know, more on the side of greed and industry, and he wants to turn it into a weapon. So it, this, this thing is, it, it would be Elon Musk's uh, best dream come true because it's a surface-to-surface -surface, uh, spaceship, so it can land or it can take off from land, it can go into outer space, it can go to a planet, and then it can land back on the surface. It has fully functional factories within it, so it can build anything that any of the people need at any time. There, It, it, it is a ship of abundance. So... Um, but these scientists in particular are working on human regenerative, regenerative medicines. And the industrialists, uh, you know, a little bit of plot occurs, but basically the industrialists wants to use this for um, weaponizing soldiers where his pitch to other generals is that this method of regeneration is so good and once you re regenerate a dead soldier they come back stronger faster and um if you even if you are losing on the battlefield within hours you will have the battlefield advantage so with this reborn army mm -hmm. so um basically our scientists have a bit of a problem with what's going on and they are murdered and thrown into their own experiments. So two of them uh, uh, are, are stand-ins. So be, these characters are all stand-ins for the universal monsters. So we have our stand, we have a married couple named Mick Mayhew and Lilith Mayhew. And the person in the avatar that you probably see right now, <clears throat> excuse me, is Lilith Mayhew. So mm -hmm. she's, she's a stand-in for the bride of Frankenstein. And her husband, who you may not see as much of, he's basically Frankenstein's monster. Uh, he, he, his wife, Lilith, she got the better end of the deal. She got the perfected side. So she regenerates back to full human form. You know, she has a different complexion than uh, someone that is alive. But otherwise, she's still very much human, very much attractive. And... Her husband looks more like a walking dead colossus. So uh, he does. He did not get the good end of the regeneration, and so he does not get to come back to his full form. Uh, the leader of the crew is named Vlad, so he's actually our stand-in for Dracula, and his act. What he is given is actually a serum, which is using the DNA of the real Dracula. So he's basically a daywalker. He he has powers of you know pretty much Superman, I guess, without the flight. So he can he can jump really high. Uh, he can flip a car. He can uh, you know so he, he's very powerful. But because they're they're just scientists. These aren't people that were um, military, so they don't have any special abilities. You know, like fighting skills. But because they regenerate, 
uh, as you see Lilith right there, she's being shot through the head. Um, I don't know if any of her garbage is shown in the back, but they just come at you. And then when you shoot them, they keep coming at you and coming at you until they can kill you. So um, there, there's no real martial arts <laughs> going on here. And it's this is just this is just a one shot, right? Um, this is book one of two. And okay. if if both campaigns do well, I would love to keep uh, telling more stories with these guys. So um, I, I think from the the blend of the genres that we mix, which are primarily superhero, horror, and sci-fi, you know, we can take these characters almost anywhere that we want, whether it be space exploration, um, going back into time, and you know, we could do a cowboy story. <laughs> you know, we can do. Yeah. We can take them into the future. We can do almost anything. And we've already. Uh, I was actually in a discussion today with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mitch Breitweiser and Timothy Lim, and uh, a question was asked. You know, oh well, you know, who would you team up with? You know, if you could use any of our creative stuffs. And my friend Timothy Lim has a character called Black Ops from Antarctic Press, and it's a little bunny <laughs> that is like a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, pretty much a military like um, killing machine. So if you ever saw um, Holy Grail, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. so, <laughs> if that if that rabbit had a conscious or consciousness, then that would um, in some way be the uh, Black Ops rabbit. So I said, yeah, if I could team uh, Graveyard Shift up, I'd probably team him up with uh, the little Black Ops ra rabbit because I can totally see that happening. It'd be cute. No, that's awesome. And you said you did this all all digital. Do you what? Uh, what program do you use? Um, right now, uh, when I did this, I probably was doing this. You, no, you know, I I think I probably was using an early form of Manga Studio. So okay. that's what I use. It, it's now called uh, Clip, Clip Studio. Stu yeah, Clip Studio Paint, I think. And um, but yeah, that I I've drawn Young Blood in that program. I drew. Cable. I drew Thunderbolts. I drew everything on the same laptop that lasted up until yesterday when I spilled a big giant cup of oh, coffee. No. <laughs> so um, I, I went and bought a hundred fifty dollar microphone that I can't get to work. So I'm actually using a twenty dollar pair of um, earbuds, <laughs> which everybody's telling me sounds great. I know so, it's, it's, um, it's, it sounds really good. What what microphone did you get? Did you get like a Yeti? I got a a Samson. I, a G track pro from Best Buy. It's like $150 mic. So, cause I was like, yeah, cause I, I mean, I just started, you know, I had to buy a new laptop. I had a, I, I just like, I'm here. So I'm just going to get everything. I got another monitor, a 4k monitor. And you know, so nice. I, I just, I, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to shop. So I don't have to do all this for another three, four years. Yeah. No, so I, I just upgraded everything. I'm in the, that, I'm in that market talking. right now. My laptop, it's, I mean, it's it's working right now, but it shuts off every now and now and then, and it it sucks. I have to get a new one, but luckily it, it runs all my art programs. Yeah, my last one was a Lenovo, so I, I I got a Lenovo again. The last one was a Yoga, so this one is a Yoga. I mean, it, it, they were both solid state drives, so um, they worked really great right up until the end. That one was working really great. So I, I like the brand so much. I just said, all right, well, I trust, I, I trust that they'll, uh, probably keep running. I had it like probably six years. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was a really good, uh, it just started getting a little glitchy in the last couple of months where I, I had a couple of hard crashes and lost a little bit of work, but 
other than that, I mean, it was, it's been a great computer. So if I was to suggest to anyone interested, uh, get a Lenovo Yoga. Um, this one I think was about 1500 and, um, uh, my drawing tablet, I, I just draw on a uh, Intuos pro. So that's, I, I'm not drawing like on a Cintiq. Mm -hmm. so I, I draw with a disc, you know, I, I draw down below and I look up at my screen, but you know, that's the way I like to do it. So. Wow, that, that's amazing. You know, I tried, I had it into us at one point and I just couldn't do it. So I bought myself a, not a, not a Cintiq, but I, I bought myself a tablet that could, I could draw on the screen. Yeah. Like a Surface Pro or an iPad or. Yeah. I, it's some, it's some random Chinese company called Yuji. It was like 400 okay. bucks and it works perfectly. Okay. Yeah. So the, <clears throat> the only thing I, I do have, I have a, um, what is it? Wacom mobile studio. Oh, so that's awesome. I, I, yeah, so it, it's a high-end, you know, thing, but I tried a Surface Pro and I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. So I just figured I was going to just not try to be cheap and just drop it on a trusted brand. And uh, yeah, I keep that upstairs by my bed to do like layouts and stuff like that on it. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. um, so now I'd like to talk about, um, you know, you, your, pref your professional art career. I know a lot of my viewers and listeners, they are either indie artists or indie writers who are trying to get in the game, um, professional wise, <laughs> um, you, so, um, I want to start off with just the beginning. I mean, even before graveyard shift, um, you know, graveyard shift was the work that was, that started getting you professional work with like Marvel and image, but you had, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm just assuming this, but I'm sure you did other comics before mm -hmm. graveyard shift. Yeah. So, yeah, so how long were you in that indie scene, I guess, before you hit you you made Graveyard Shift that Oh, um a, a solid 10 years. Okay. So that that's when I got serious was around 2000, 2001 is when I finally said, well, you know, if I'm going to do something, I need to start getting some drawings in, in print because it always seems like you hold off until you're ready, until you feel ready, and I was just like, I don't have any more time to not be out there and start producing. So um, in an early 2000, probably around 2001, 2002, uh, I, I got in, into this book called Digital Webbing Presents Number One. And we, it, we all chipped in to pay for our pages. We did five, uh, me and another guy. And um, so that became my first printed work. It, it was black and white. It was, I mean, if you look it up, it, it's not that great a work. And, um, but I met some people when I did that. Um, I met a guy named Ryan Otley. He ended up being the artist for <laughs> Invincible. Now Spider-Man. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, we used to hang out and, you know, a little private chat on the digital webbing, uh, website way back in the day. Yeah. And there's some other people there that may or may not have, have gone on to bigger and uh, better things. Uh, Ray Dillon, uh, his wife, uh, Renee Deliz, they, they both did some Wonder Woman work. And um, uh, Scotty Young, I think, actually did one of the original covers for Digital Webbing Presents. I think maybe the issue two or issue three. Oh, and then awesome. he started blowing up. So um, yeah, so there were you know, people in that, that worked on that project that all kind of made their way into the field um, but that was as indie as it gets, you know, when everybody, you know, we're not being paid, we are actually paying and, uh, we just all chipped in and everybody did what are five page stories, throw it, throw it all into an anthology and that's step one. So, you know, be prepared to spend a little bit to get going. Oh, well, let me, let me say 
that everything is changing now, but this is how it's traditionally done. And, and, I, and I can get a little bit more into that. I, I probably touched on it actually probably pretty well in terms of building a YouTube channel and using that as a launch. So if you're a writer, I definitely suggest writers do that. You have more time than an artist does by far. And, uh, you know, so a little bit of time on social media, specifically YouTube, and um, talk about something that you're passionate about and build your audience. And it doesn't have to be comics. It can be pop culture, anything. And you will reach a much wider audience much quicker. And then when they find out that you are that you do have interests and passions and writing, um, there will be people that will be there to fund. And when you get to 50, 60,000 subscribers, your pitch to your artist is that you have 50 or 60,000 subscribers and that you believe you will be able to monetize 5% of those people. And I believe you will too, as long as you're passionate about it. And the great thing is when you're at that point, you don't have to just grab some unknown at the time. You could grab somebody that's worked for Marvel, worked for DC, and say, look, you know, look, we can potentially make a lot of money doing this. And the, that person will say, yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. Because their investment is only really the initial five pages, you know, maybe a little more if you work out a deal like that. But that's how I really suggest people do it now. And you can become your own publisher, your own powerhouse in the industry by doing this. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I did that originally uh, with Digital Webbing Presents. And um, I, I kind of tinkered around on the image boards. I think I did a, a pinup for a book called Venture. Uh, I did another one for a Robert Kirkman book called Tech Jacket. And... Um, but what really kind of got me moving was actually there was an open, there was an invite, a banner ad on the old image board saying that they were looking for an intern for Image Central. So I I hopped on it and I I answered it and I said, yeah, I'd like to come and you know do this uh, interview. And they said and they're like, yeah, you know, well, just be out here whatever tomorrow or something like that. And uh, I lived in Michigan and they're in California. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, can I do this, you know, after a few days or whatever? And they're like, well, oh, you're out of state. Oh, well, we really don't want anybody else out of state. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> so um, I hopped on a plane. I, I went out there. I did the interview and I began what was a three month unpaid internship. So my wife was helping out. My family was helping me out. And I, I was only supposed to be at the image office like maybe once or twice a week. And I was there every day. I was there every day and I was doing anything that I could do to show that I had a value. And at the end of the 30 days, I was hired in. My wife came out. Uh, we got our own. Well, we got a place with roommates because that's about all you can do in uh, Orange County. And um yeah, so through that, I, I met eventually Rob Liefeld. I went to a lot of conventions because I got to work at Image. So I went to San Diego for a couple times, working in the Image booths and you know talking to the creators there. I, I don't know if it ever helped, but you know some of these people I'm bumping into now, uh, like actually Doug Tenaple, who created Earthworm Jim. Um, mm -hmm. I met him back then. He probably doesn't remember me, but you know now he and I are actually in communication. So, so before um, you were doing comics, you were working for the people who were who were publishing the comics. 
first I did comics, then I was working for the people that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and real quick, like and like I would I'd like to know how old were you when this happened? Like how um, old were you during this? Um, I don't really like to pinpoint my age, but you know, I was in my twenties. So somewhere Okay. Because like I got I got a lot of um you know messages from people saying I know I, I'm 21 years old and I I, I just want to be a professional comic book artist and I think I, I I'm 25 I sometimes get this the same like thoughts I'm like you know mm-hmm. a lot it takes a lot a, a lot of these creators go like it doesn't it takes a long time for them to finally hit their break yeah not everybody <clears throat> um, yeah. Rob Liefeld got in when he was in his early 20s I, that's I think true was, that's he, true he was rich around the time he was 21 22. So some people are very fast learners and, um, you know, so I I don't want to discourage anybody by saying you need to wait because you don't, it's all on you. It's all on whatever you're capable of. And, um, but I, I think it's safe to say, again, going by the old model, you may have to wait until you're 30 by the time you're at a level to work for a big two company. But that's the good news is it's all changing that that's not that's not necessary anymore the indie people are going to become the new market because you can you can use these other platforms like youtube you know not to be a broken record but i i tell people this they look like i'm crazy you know they look at me like i'm crazy because that's the way that i the traditional way is the only way that people um can seem to you know rationalize how all the industry works but it's not like that anymore it's all being cracked open and it's all being rethought out and um yeah through social media you can become you don't you don't you can make more money through social media than marvel or dc could pay you as an independent so it, it it's almost like image sent or image comics is being formed again but you can do that, and you can do that without a publisher. You just need some basic know-how on how to get the books together. You know, uh, assemble a good team, and uh, you know anything's possible. You know, you may have to borrow some money to get things going, or you do a crowdfund. But you can do it. No, it's so true. And like you said, like you know, if you have a huge following on Twitter, I mean, look at these like YouTubers, like Logan Paul and them. Like they make so much money off their like merch. Because they're mm-hmm. follow because they know they're following. If he just says, "I have a new T-shirt out," his following would go there. And it's the same thing with comics. You know, the like I like what you said. You don't you don't need a publisher now. Um, something that social media has done is it's gotten rid of the middleman, the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. If you can yep. do whatever you want and make money as long as you have a following, and having a following is what is what is going to take some work, but that just, that just means, you know, maybe putting out some daily content, doing a lot more networking, but it's, if it's kind of easier than having to slave away, trying to hopefully get noticed from the big two, you don't need to do that anymore. Yes, exactly. Uh, I would suggest for people building up their channels that you do at least a video a day and uh, really cultivate that audience. But, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be a comic conversation because you may want to cast a, as wide of a net as possible and talk about anything that, you know, is in the, the realm of, you know, pop culture, memes or whatnot, whatever, whatever, whatever you enjoy, other people will enjoy. And so, um, so with that being said, 
at this point, would you ever work for for the a big two or even like image or dark horse if they if it was like or do you are you just like you have a good enough following where you think where you can sustain yourself as a professional artist without them um financially i don't know if it's really necessary um as as everything's matured now so youtube is matured uh crowdfunding has matured you know social media has matured um i would like to work for Marvel and DC in the future, only in that I've been born and bred on Marvel comics. So I have, you know, a love for Spider-Man. I have a love for these characters, all the icons, mm -hmm. you know, Batman, all these guys. Um, but with, with all the knowledge that I have right now, I would say, why, why would I bother when I can actually make more money uh, creating my own IP? Um, yeah. versus uh, getting pennies on the dollars for whatever I create for them. So you can do, you can do half the work and make four times the money if, uh, you do everything correctly. No, that's so true. So I'd like to get, um, I guess to like, maybe like one last to topic is what is your life like as a professional artist? Because so like right now I have a day job. Um, and as, as do like most people, especially the ones who are listening, who listen to my channel, I have a day job. I come home and I draw or on my lunch break, I draw. And, um, I don't really know what it's like, what this work schedule is like to be a professional artist. Now, one of these Saturdays, I have told my wife that I'm gonna, on one of these Saturdays, I'm gonna just pretend I'm a professional artist and draw for eight to 10 hours on one mm -hmm. single page and see if I can do it. But I'd like to know what your what's like for you being a professional artist. What's your schedule like? What does it take to be a professional artist? And yeah, yeah, it, it's a grind. So um, look, if you if you go to work at you know a, a comic company where it's a, a monthly, you have to draw every day. There's you know very little downtime. Uh, you're lucky to get a weekend off. Um, so it, it's a real grind. But again, the good news is that's all changing because you can work independent you can make your own schedule and you know i'm really looking forward to a new age of comics where people are just making complete masterpieces in terms of art so you know the the, the really talented guy that you went to school with that could just draw everything that guy now has an opportunity to do his masterpiece and um but yeah it's a grind so you have to get out there and, and every day is not you drawing something that is motivating you you know so you may want to skip a page one day and go to something else and be like yeah i think i'd rather just draw some faces you know <laughs> instead of this big thing um but eventually you're you're forced to draw everything so you know cars buildings so you you want to on, on some level you want to learn to love to hate even what you don't like and you know draw it like you love it so and, what, um, what would be your what's your schedule like when you when you like on a day where you have to like it's like like when you were working like for marvel like what yep. would be your schedule like when you woke up yeah so um at that time uh because my wife was getting up early and um to go to work and stuff you know we would get up around eh, four in the morning i i draw a little bit then um, then I would see her off to work and then the entire time she would be at work. I would be there drawing um, She would get home. I'd spend more time with her and it would either be we both go to bed or I put more hours in and then I go to bed and Back up at four in the morning 
<laughs> so that's crazy. Um, it's a grind. Um, but look, I, I don't consider myself to be one of the faster artists. And, um, you know, I want to put as much time into the work as possible. So like, you know, the graveyard shift, you know, I had all the time in the world to do that. And, I, and I'll tell you how I managed that schedule, because I think that's probably a little bit more um, beneficial to uh, independent guys. And when I wasn't working at Marvel and when I wasn't working at Image and I was drawing graveyard shift, um, in between Image and Marvel, I had to go out back out and just get a day job. I was burnt out, you know, offers weren't coming in. And, you know, so I have a construction background. So I was out building bridges, which pays very well. So I did this and I, I live in Michigan and I recommend because there's construction jobs everywhere. So if you're an artist and you, you are looking for a career that will give you the time to draw, this is what I did when I created great and did the graveyard shift pages. I would work my butt off all year long. I, I would try to work in a pinup during my work season. Um, just to kind of draw a little bit, but look, I'm swinging hammers, you know, my hands are numb and, um, you know, banging on steel, not just nails on wood, but banging steel with hammers all day. So, but I tried, I tried to put in the time when I could get to the, when I could get to it, I tried to do a little piece here and there, but come layoff, that's when I got busy. I would sit down and I would draw I, and I, I would treat that like that's my new job because you know, you're running on passion. You want to get, you want to get stuff done and you say, this is it. I'm going to have to strike or I'm going to have to keep going back and banging hammers for the rest of my life. So that's what I did. And, you know, as I got going, I got job offers. <laughs> so, um, but look, it, it, it's that layoff time that gave me the time to put every ounce of my energy in, into producing, you know, the best art that I could. And now, now I'm in a situation, thankfully, through um, projects like Jawbreakers and now the project that I spent all that time drawing, Graveyard Shift, where uh, even, even right now, Graveyard Shift has been off to a really good beginning. And, uh, you know, that'll help me to get to the next project. And, um, you know, I hope the next project will be even more successful. So, you know, you, you keep building that audience. So the same people who bought from Jawbreakers, hopefully... Uh, a percentage of those migrate over to Graveyard Shift, and then uh, all those people who get Graveyard Shift migrate over to the next project, and you know uh, potentially everything keeps building. But look, it's got to be your best work. Like these are both high, high tier, high price books, so it's got to be your best work. You don't want anybody to think that you're uh, phoning anything in, and um, as long as you're passionate, you know people will come. So. No, that's uh, that's some that's freaking awesome advice. And I like how you brought in the whole, uh, you know, you working, you know, you having to get a day job at one point. I had no idea about that. And that really, like, you know, resonated, you know, with me personally, I'm sure it resonates with everyone else who listens because, yeah, everyone wants, you know, doesn't realize, hey, at some point you might have to get a day job. And yeah. And, 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 and also, and also, if you're aiming at a company like Marvel, you know, here here's the sad truth about going into the mainstream is that you're only hired for the job. So when you get put onto a project and you go five to 10 issues and you've worked years and years of your life just to break through that door, once those five to 10 issues are done, you're done. You're only a freelancer. You're not on contract. You're not an employee. There's no job security. And unless you're in good with editorial, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to call you and um, 
you will be coldly dismissed. So, and then you are right back at square one. So this is again, why I encourage people build your own IPs and make your own money if you can. And if you get offered to do a Marvel job, you know, or any, any job for anybody else, you know, I mean, just consider what you can make in terms of doing your own thing. And if you can afford it, look, just keep doing your own thing. Cause uh, you know, uh, especially again with crowd funds and every, all the avenues that are opening up to artists, like things like even Patreon, you know, you may not need to uh, waste your time going into the big two anymore. No, that's, that's so true. I actually only found out about Patreon like two weeks ago and <laughs> I saw like, I saw so, like, like this person had 2000 backers all giving them a dollar a month. I'm like, and that's just the $1 tier. I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is living off just Patreon. Yeah. So, no, so that's, it's, that's it's great for artists. So I definitely recommend if you're a beginning artist, whatever, then start a Patreon because you may only have a small following, but you know, when you're getting 50 bucks or a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, that helps. That's your supplies. And, and that's also part of the reason for being digital is you don't have to keep buying supplies. So maybe you can uh, get an extra thing of bread and bologna. <laughs> you know? That's so true. Yeah. John, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for taking the time and uh, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, hit the subscribe button and uh, like and comment and also check out John's uh, Indiegogo graveyard shift. The link's going to be down below. Um, the artwork's freaking awesome. Check it out. And uh, you guys have a good day. See you guys. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of that. Um, I know I did, and I hope you guys did too. And guess what? We didn't talk about anything political. We didn't talk about anything polarizing. You know, we just gave up the straight facts on what it's like to be a professional artist in the comic book industry. So, yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. Hit the subscribe button. You guys are awesome. And yeah, I just wanted to do this kind of video. Um, I thought it was. I thought it'd be interesting to have someone who's worked on the mainstream and now is doing. You know. A successful indie book um, on the sh on the show. So, if if this if this video offended you, I'm sorry. Um, that's not what I was going for. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm just someone who wants to learn about comic books and how to get into it. So, thanks guys for watching. Please support me. And you know, if this video if this video makes you hate me, I hope I really hope it doesn't. Um, because yeah, I'm just here to learn, and I want you guys to learn as well. So, thanks guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Draw and Talk. Hit the subscribe button, like and comment, and once again, thanks for supporting me. You guys rock. <laughs>